and welcome to Techno Sapiens, a future tense series of podcasts from Slate, New America, and Arizona State University. In this series, as the name suggests, we'll examine how technology, now and in the future, will impact us as a species and how we relate to each other. Each podcast is a debate about whether machines will solve our problems or make them worse. I'm Christine Rosen, a Future Tense Fellow and Senior Editor of The New Atlantis, and I'll be the skeptical voice on technology. I'm joined by Marvin Amore, who has never met an app he doesn't like. Is that right, Marvin? I think the opposite is true for you, Christine. I'm also a Future Tense Fellow at the New America Foundation and a First Amendment lawyer. All right. Well, today we're going to discuss the quantified self-movement, wearable technologies, and we're very pleased to have with us Mike Lee, the co-founder of the food and fitness tracker called MyFitnessPal. MyFitnessPal isn't a device that you wear on your wrist. It's the software you use to track your fitness and diet habits. And the burden's on you to enter your data, whether you choose a device to interface with MyFitnessPal or you enter it yourself. Tens of millions of people worldwide are using the product, and I think it's a good place to start for our conversation about how we're using technology to improve us as flesh-and-blood human beings. Hi, Mike. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, we, I, as the skeptic, want to be convinced. Why should I be using something like my fitness pal? Well, it is incredibly powerful to be able to see you know, the details around what you're actually eating, the exercise you're performing, and how all of those relate to your health. Um, you know, it, it constantly surprises me how little people know about what they eat. And the insights that, the, that you gain are really impactful. Um, you know, you really start to understand, you know, what is in the foods that you eat. You can make different choices as a result, and those can have a significant impact on your health. And you know, one great example is when I first started uh, tracking what I eat, I learned that mayonnaise has 90 calories in a tablespoon and mustard has five. And by making that simple change, I've literally saved thousands and thousands of calories in my lifetime for something that really has absolutely no impact on my life other than a positive one. So you're, you're saying we have to, if we use your uh, software, we're going to have to stop lying to ourselves about our, um, just, you know, theoretically, some of our candy eating habits, for example. Um, you're, but does this, this assumes that we are putting this information in there and being honest in how we use your software, correct? Yes, absolutely. I mean, you, uh, you get in what you, uh, you get out what you put in. So, Mike, I don't know if you know much about Christine. Christine is on the caveman diet because she sort of comes from that era. Uh, she, <laughs> she grows her own food, just against technology generally. And But part of me feels when I look at my fitness pal, which, which I love, that if I did lead a more, you know, a, a life more like my grandmother, I'm not sure I would need to count all my calories. I'd just be eating healthy foods that were whole foods. And it reminds me of, to speak of my grandmother again, she takes a blue pill that gives her side effects and a red pill for the side effects for the blue pill, right? So at some point, aren't we just using MyFitnessPal because we're so divorced from the understanding of food that we should have? Well, you know, I think, you know, MyFitnessPal's goal is really to lead you to that point where you do have the understanding around food and exercise that you need to just leave your, lead your life on a, on a daily basis. So, um, you know, I just think, most of our society is not there today. You know, as I was saying earlier, they, they just don't understand what's in the foods that they eat and how it impacts them. So, um, you know, if we simply educated people on that, we would view our company as a success. 
So I'm glad you mentioned society, actually. And I do completely agree with Marvin sitting, the silent killer. I mean, we've all heard these warnings about our inactivity, and, and it's quite right. But if we could broaden the conversation a little bit, I'd like to ask some questions, not just about MyFitnessPal specifically, but the whole wearable technology quantified self movement, because we have lots of devices like Fitbit, for example, and others that are that are gathering huge amounts of data about people. Yours is one of the apps that people rely on to analyze the data that their wearable technologies produce. So, you know, yes, the, the caveman in me is, is, is compelled to ask, what about some of the privacy issues here? You know, the FTC has been sniffing around whether these has raised some concerns about the use, you know, third-party use of this data. These None of these devices are FDA approved because they're all for personal health use. And we see insurance companies like Aetna making, you know, compacts with, with groups like Fitbit. And so my question is this, how can we trust beyond what uh, any company's privacy policy says, whether it's an app or a device, how can we trust that this data is going to remain secure and anonymized? Sure. So, you know, I, I can't speak for all companies in our space, but at least in our case, you know, we absolutely do not sell your data. We don't allow access to your data without your permission. Our view is that it's essential for users to trust us with their data because data is core to our service. It, you have to if, we, if you don't provide us data, we can't help you create healthier habits. So how do you make a profit? Because you're a business. How do you make a profit if you don't sell people's data? Well, today we make money through advertising. But that advertising is incredibly untargeted. <laughs> um, it is... You, know, you, you keep trying to sell me diapers. And I'm like, is this for me or my non-existent child? <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, in, in all honesty... It, Making money is not something that we've made a priority today. We, we, we have to make some money because our legacy as a company was we were bootstrapped. Um, you know, we didn't take any outside funding for years and years. And so um, we made money in the simplest way possible, which was we slapped a bunch of banner ads on the site and on, uh, on our apps. Um, but they're very untargeted. That's not... Um, a core part of, of what we do or what we use your data for. Um, well, how do you feel then about companies that are taking a more um, intrusive approach? For example, I mean, it, when, you, when we're thinking broadly about the wearable technology and software industry, do you, do you think it's headed in the right direction? Do you think that there are some potential pitfalls down the road? Or do you, do you see most of the companies embracing the sort of value system that you've just outlined um, that you do at MyFitnessPal? Well, I guess our view is that you cannot succeed in this industry if you're not a good steward of your user's data. Because, again... (laughs) See Target, right? (laughs) Well, yeah. yeah. And look, I think um, all technology companies, you know, the security issues around technology are complex. Um, And so, you know, I don't think anyone can guarantee that... You know, they're attack proof, but we have a responsibility to to do our best. So, Mike, when I see all the data that you guys have, I think of uh, one of my favorite blogs, which I've already talked about on this podcast before, the OkCupid blog, which delves into all that dating information and posts, you know, fascinating information about dating in America. And I'm wondering, do you publicly or privately sort of use your data to slice and dice and sort of see the trends in American food and American exercise. Can you guys see, you know, the rise of the caveman diet through your app, through all your data? Can you see the, the rise of yoga uh, in the fall of, I don't know, um, kickboxing through your data? I'm, I'm curious to what insights we can glean. Sure. So um, we absolutely 
have that kind of data available to us. We haven't delved in that kind of depth yet, but I think we're really excited about the possibilities. Um, Not just in terms of these macro trends or more, um, you know, consumer interesting points of view, but literally in terms of the research possibilities. So, you know, can we determine, for example, from our data set, uh, whether uh, a low-carb diet is more effective than a high-carb diet? Can we tell whether eating breakfast matters or not in terms of weight loss? I'm going to jump in for one second because I think that actually – that gets us to a, to a, if you will, more existential um, question that I have about not just my fitness pal but about the whole industry, whether it's – you know, there's this whole sort of quantified self-movement. And that's that, you know, we used to think about improving ourselves, improving the world. You know, we'd look deep into our souls and try to figure out how we could be better. And it seems that nowadays we're much more more interested in looking deep into our colons and into our eating habits and and all of that is fine but i wonder this absolute and data-driven need to constantly measure and to constantly judge whether we're improving on every metric that can possibly exist um how do you feel just as a human being not a, not as a ceo not as a even user of this stuff what do you see and again because i'm going to be the skeptic here what do you see as some potential dangers in terms of our sense of who we are as people if all this stuff can be measured. In other words, should it necessarily be measured? Well, you know, I think we think that data is incredibly powerful. Just it's an enabler for us to really have a much more significant impact on people's health. Um, You know, you can imagine the kinds of things that data could provide. So, for example, with wearables, you know, some of the things that, that people are talking about, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of what would be possible. So you can imagine situations where we could detect a heart attack that is about to happen, maybe five minutes from now, a day from now, a week from now, and really intervene ahead of time um, to literally save lives. You know, that's that's one um, more uh, significant example. But, you know, there are even things like, um, you know, so for my for me personally, one of my food weaknesses is pizza. I love pizza. And I have um, I literally could probably eat an entire pizza and, and not think so, twice. So, Mike, this is where I'm going to be anti-data. If pizza is bad for me, I don't want to know. So, <laughs> if pizza's wrong, you don't want to be right, no. right, Marvin? Okay. Uh, I had pizza last night and earlier this week. But, but keep going. I, I, I'll, I'll hear it. Well, everything in moderation. Everything in moderation. But, um, you know, so, so you know, uh, and, you know, I have, I have young kids. And so I'm constantly going to, to kid birthday parties um, where – you know, pizza is probably the food of choice. And so, you know, if my fitness pal, just as an example, if we could actually integrate into your calendar and see that you have a kid birthday party coming up and send you some kind of suggestion in the morning saying, hey, it looks like you have a birthday party coming up. Could you, uh, do you want to try to eat something healthy before you go so that you're less tempted by pizza? Okay, or so, so I have to jump in to say, this reminds me of that Simpsons episode where Homer's, you know, devouring something that's bad for him and, and Marge, you know, in frustration says, Homer, you shouldn't eat that. It's bad for you. And he smiles very, you know, glibly and says, well, that's a problem for future Homer. And so <laughs> it, it seems to me like you're you're suggesting, and again, my, my libertarian and surveillance niece started jerking when you said if we could integrate into your calendar. Uh, Marvin's eyes lit up. But I, I my- find that can- <laughs> Convenience. Uh, I did wonder what it would be like to have you as a father, though, measuring out my pizza consumption. But uh, but the, but that's a that's a problem for present uh, your children, not future your children. Will be happy. Um, yeah. 
Uh, but I, I actually, I have a, a story of using my fitness pal uh, once. I was using it for a few months, and one day I did everything right. You know, I, I felt like I ate not very much. I ended the day kind of hungry. I worked out. Uh, it, <laughs> only a little hungry, right? I worked out. It was a great day. I, and at the end of the day, you can push a button on my fitness pal, letting you know if every day is like today, how much you'll weigh five or six weeks from now. I forget if it's five or six. And I pushed the button, and I was like, how, many, how much would I lose? And it was 0.0 pounds. I would have stayed the same weight. And I thought, I will never listen to intuition again. Christine Rosen is wrong. I will follow data from this point on. Um, oh, but and, but you could have felt sanctimonious. The, the, the feeling of sanctimonious you know, accomplishment would last forever. <laughs> but I do think it's amazing how wrong our intuitions can be. Right. And, and yeah. when it comes to food, when it comes to working out, uh, so often there are things I try to do that, are, you know, not, not only in food and working out that are just so inaccurate. My intuition just leads me astray. And I, and I think one of Christine's most interesting points is how does that change how we think as humans? Right? As humans, we're totally flawed. We overestimate uh, certain things that we see on the TV or that our friends are doing and we underestimate other things. How does the... The, the influx of data about every part of our life kind of change those moments where, you know, you're just kind of being human and doing, you know, things that chimpanzees do. Or eating pizza. Or eating pizza. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I think, you know, I guess while, while we do see that there's incredible power in data, you know, our objective is not to show that data to use. In, in some ways, if we show data to users, we failed. I mean, it's really the value is in um, helping you mine that data to figure out what's meaningful and provide you insights that help you have a positive impact on your health. So, you know, it, it, it's not that we want you thinking about the data all the time. It's more that the data is a tool that we can use, again, to intervene at just the right moments where, uh, you know, you're about to fall off track or you're about to take an action that, that we can try to steer you to a healthier one. That's really, I think, where the goal is. You know, there are some people who are real data heads and will love um, and, and will always want to see all of the data available. But I think for most people, uh, the data is not a goal in and of itself. It is the value that you get from the data. And that's what we really are focused on. So I want to, um, as we start wrapping up our conversation, I want to ask you what you think, broadly speaking, uh, the future of this kind of health tracking is. And I want to add one caveat to that, which is that right now, most of this, this is all voluntary. It's not compulsory. The government is not involved in tracking and, and at a granular scale in the way that, you know, Marvin does this because it makes him feel less guilty about doing certain things and happier about doing others. And that's 100% great. You know, we live in a free country. But lots of other people, including agencies in our government, have started to express concern about where this could lead. So, I'd like to ask you, Mike, what, what you think the future of health tracking is. Um, what are some of the potential dangers? What are some of the benefits that you hope to see arise in the future from this sort of practice? Sure. So, you know, I think overall, we think that there's incredible potential in this technology. I mean, if you think about, uh, let's take your doctor, your doctor's ability to impact you when you, when he, when you leave his office um, goes down exponentially. But, you know, your phone is an incredibly powerful piece of technology that is with you 24-7. And so it, it is a tool that we can use to have a much more 
impactful, um, you know, uh, well, impact on, on your health. You, we can be there with you as you are making all of these various decisions during the day um, that impact your health and, and nudge you in the right direction. And wearables will be part of that. You know, all of the data that, um, you know, is becoming available will be part of that. So we can have a much higher impact on you before you make a healthy uh, or unhealthy decision than after. Um, that's, I think, where the promise of this could be. Um, now, uh, you know, the risks around that, I think, you know, we talked about a little earlier on the podcast. I, I guess I fundamentally believe that, if these are being misused, people won't use them. So, Mike, two things. One, I encourage you to write a blog post based on your data explaining which of the many fad diets out there are actually um, effective. And when you're on Oprah, Christine and I will remember that yeah, you started here. Uh, <laughs> and, and second, you know, being you know, the CEO of MyFitnessPal, you probably see a lot of trends not only in wearable but also in healthcare. And healthcare in the sort of hospital space and just the way we take care of people has not really been affected by the internet revolution as much as people had expected. Uh, I mean, do you see anything sort of in, in health generally, perhaps in the traditional healthcare space, that people haven't heard about yet, but that we should, that, that you think is actually going to be transformative? Well, I think there's all kinds of interesting um, technologies that are coming to market. You know, just the fact that so many more devices are now connected um, and, again, will allow doctors to work with patients outside of the office, I think, will be transformative. Um, the data that will be available is also potentially transformative, just being able to look at populations of patients more easily and see trends or measure the effectiveness of certain treatments um, you know, the movement towards accountable care, we think, is also incredibly exciting, particularly for us. Um, you know, there's so much that could be saved if people were taking a much longer term view and approach to managing our health. Um, so I think I think there's a lot coming. I do think that it health is an industry that has is a late comer, I think, to, you know, the impact of technology. But I think it's really ripe for, you know, some, some real disruption and radical improvements um, that technology could enable. Well, thanks, Mike, so much for speaking with us. We've been talking to Mike Lee, the co-founder of the food and fitness tracker MyFitnessPal. I'd also like to thank Ariel Bogle, Elizabeth Weingarten, and Fuzz Hogan for producing this podcast. The executive producer of Slate Podcast is Andy Bowers. With Marvin Amari, I'm Christine Rosen. Thanks for listening. 